This is a HeadGum Podcast. Welcome to Buckets, Episode 2. Close your eyes and imagine for a second. Tip off. A new game begins. The home team scores a quick two, and the away team answers with back-to-back layups and a 4-2 lead. May not seem like much, but one team has just doubled up their opponent. Can they keep it up for a quarter? Can they double their foe for a half? What about an entire game? As a fan of box scores, I like the extremes. Give me a 20-0 run. Give me a 38-12 quarter. Give me a team up 78-33 at half. It's possible. I'm sending those screen grabs to a friend. But then I got to thinking. As Buckets doubles today from a one-episode podcast to a two-episode podcast, I don't know if I've ever seen a team double up their opponent for an entire game. Have I? It seems insane to imagine a 145-72 to final score, but let's put it another way. As long as three-pointers and free throws are even, a team just has to score two field goals for their opponent's one. Seems difficult, but certainly not impossible, right? To basketball reference, I go. Assuming the losing team scores at least 50, let's search score index for every game in the shot clock era, that's 1955 until today, where margin of victory is 50 or greater. Wow. Of roughly 70,000 regular season games played in the last 60 years, only 37 of them have that margin of victory. Less than one a year. That's only outscoring your opponent by 13 points a quarter. How is it so rare? Never matter. Time to search for a full game double up. There are at least two games a year where the best team plays the worst. How is this so hard to find? A back-to-back champion taking on a decimated roster. Here's one. The Lakers at the LeBron-less Cavs in 2011. They won 112-57. to That's close, but Anton Jameson, J.J. Hickson, and company held off Kobe and Pau just enough. The Cavs also won by the highest margin of victory ever, 68 points. They beat the Miami Heat in 1991 by a score of 148-80. to Impressive, but... Still not quite a double down. There are some insane scores from the early 70s, like the Lakers beating the Warriors 162-99. to Scores from just six months ago, when the Hornets beat the Grizzlies 140-79 to in March. Jesus, but still nothing that shows a team straight up doubling their opponent. Until, yes, 1998, the Portland Trailblazers at Indy. Pacers win 124-59. to Holy shit. I searched the archives just to make sure, and indeed... That feat was only accomplished once, 20 years ago, and never again. Craziest part is, the Blazers team wasn't even so bad. They were 10 games above 500 even after that loss. You can't even blame hangovers unless Arvita Sabonis and Damon Stoudemire and friends hit up that indie club scene on a Thursday in February. We wanted to be prepared, but we weren't, Portland coach Mike Dunleavy said. There are so many quarters and even halves in which one team doubles up the other. How is a full game double up not happening more often than once in sports history? People will claim that teams that go up 50 usually take their foot off the gas and bring in their third stringers. But don't teams that are down 50 also take their foot off the gas and bring in their third stringers? Also, just by sheer statistical randomness, isn't there going to be one 48-minute stretch where one team scores twice for every opponent's goal? I can't wrap my head around it. It seems to happen in every single sport and even in college and high school basketball. And it's happened only once in NBA history. Stuff never happens only once. That's crazier than zero times or twice. Once. Ever. How? Don't roll your eyes. It's weird. Admit it. Why do you think it doesn't happen more often? Hit me with your ideas. Let me know what you think. And if it does happen this season, let's throw a party or something for an occasion more rare than any unassisted triple play or field goal kick return TD or even solar eclipse. Once. My guest today needs an introduction. He's the member of Internet Comedy Hall of Fame Harvard Sailing Team. He's also part of Comedy Central's Corporate. He's also hosted a sports talk show and beat Jeremy Lin in a game of pig. And according to everybody that's ever met him, the nicest man on earth. Welcome to Buckets, NBA superfan Adam Lustig. You getting bucket buckets. Thank you, Amir. It is my wow. pleasure to be here, man. Wow. That was that was incredibly fruitful. Very, very, I mean, that's a lot of new information for me. Did it you know weird. that? I had no idea. It is weird for something that, that is a funny way to put it. It's weirder for a thing to happen one time than yes. to never happen. <laughs> yeah, because it never true. is like, yeah, teams never scored a thousand. And also, that's an amazing quote. We thought we wanted to be prepared. <laughs> we weren't. <laughs> I feel like that's applied to every day of my life. That, that's universally applicable to everything I've ever done. Prepared. What does that mean? Yeah. Prepared not to get housed. 59. Yeah. That's not preparation. That's, I forgot how to 
play basketball, play basketball as period. a team yeah. for a game. That 98 Pacers team, is that Reggie, Mark Jackson? Is that like the tail end of the Rick Smiths era? Is great, that the Davis great. brothers? Thank you. Thank you so much for bringing it up. I, I, wa- like... I wanted to warm us up. Yeah. Get, get into the basketball mode. Can, yeah. I was going to ask you, can you name other players well, on the court? I'd said Arvidas and Damon Stoudemire. Hey. We're talking about the 98 Portland Trailblazers at Indianapolis. Yeah. And... It, well, that's what I'm guessing. I think that was like the heyday of the Davis brothers, both Dale and uh, Antonio. That's correct. Bit. Dale There's... and Antonio. Yeah, they were the yep. big dogs, yep, man. Yep, yep. Dale Davis started. Uh, Dale Davis definitely started. Antonio they were Davis s- off the bench. Scary. Who, who, who else you got? I mean, was Mark Jackson the starting point guard or was that he post was. Mark Jackson? <laughs> that's correct. Must Mark have been, Jackson's right? starting point and guard. And I want to say those 98 Pacers jerseys were like, they were experimenting with pinstripe <laughs> in a way that I found attractive at the time and in retrospect, I find a little desperate. Nobody's going for that throwback right No, now. there was like the Yankees it was like the Yankification of sports, or it was like pinstripes for everyone. Okay, who um, else we all right, got? who else is on that team? Austin Crozier, number forty-four. Is he one of the Pacers? <laughs> he played off the bench? seven minutes. Not only did he play seven minutes, he went four of four. The perfect game for Crozier. Shoot. I like to think that I model my game a little bit after Crozier. Play seven minutes, go yeah. four of four. <laughs> um, That's good. Okay, you got you named Rick Smiths and Reggie Miller. Smiths and Reggie Miller were dead. That was like the tail end of the Rick Smiths era. Is That's that a Larry right. Brown coach? Oh no. It's a Larry Bird coach team. Oh! Yeah, baby. Oh, baby. Oh, God. When he, like, took himself out of the GM booth and, like, <laughs> went down to the court and coached the team himself. Larry Bird I has love- had so much success and has never looked happy doing it. Ever. He's, he's like, remember that shot of, like, Reggie Miller hitting a game winner in the playoffs and then it just pants to Larry Bird and he's just like... He even knows where he is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, he's competitive. He's you must care. totally joyless. <laughs> he does seem, like, almost more than Michael Jordan, like, all of the anecdotes that you hear about Larry Bird was, like, he was so, so ferocious. <laughs> competitive it does seem like he took no mirth or joy in sport or even winning so like it was like Which i think magic point. johnson's the only player that's ever had fun in the nba yeah yeah <laughs> He's is, yeah like, like magic you saw the magic versus larry documentary yes it's just such a perfect yin and yang of two players that are completely opposite like yes. coming of age together yes it's like matt just the name magic and then the name bird larry larry bird, larry bird. <laughs> Unbelievable. Like, if you saw them play and asked 100 people which one was Magic Johnson <laughs> and which one was Larry Bird. Larry Bird looks like a bird. To a, and Magic Johnson <laughs> is magic. So, like, yeah, their names really fit. Okay, so who – now, that 98 uh, Pacers roster, I'm really trying to You're missing one starter. Into my brain. It's kind of a hard one. I kind of forgot it. He's famous for being on the Warriors and then ended his career on the, the Pacers. Oh, man, man. Another three-point shooting specialist. Three-point shooting – Perhaps the best lefty – Oh, Chris Mullen. That's right. Chris Mullen, St. John's University. Oh, yeah, Chris Mullen. One of the thickest, most unintelligible speaking voices. (laughs) A Brooklyn accent so thick, it's not English. Chris Mullen is neat, and I say this with love, you deeply need speech therapy, my friend. Like, it is profound. Like, and it's an accent-based problem. Like, your your New York accent is too thick. So, anyway, yeah, Chris Mullen, sick. Yep, yep, yep. He started in 19, he was starting for the Pacers in 98. What a career that man had. Yeah, went three of six, one of three from three, three of four from the line. Chris Mullen, good for him. Yeah. Now that Blazers '98 team, Oof. you kicked it off with Stoudemire and, and Arvidas who else? and Arvidas Sabonis. We're not, we're not Rashid Wallacing then, are we? We are no, not. This is the year before Rashid. Oh no. I see him. He is here. Rashid, this is the first. Yeah, Rashid got there. Rashid had a good game, by the way. He was six of ten, led the Blazers with fourteen points. Love Rashid. Wallace. We can't blame this on Rashid Wallace. He, speaking of doubling up, uh, also rarely, obviously, as you so brilliantly articulated, it never happens. But I do feel like whenever they would like the technical fouls at the end of the year, Rashid yeah. Wallace was always number, and he had like 40. four times as many technicals as the second place person. <laughs> he was he like triple them. Uh, yes, easily. He was e- the technical double. Easily, easily. Okay, so we got we got Damon Stoudemire went three for ten. Rashid Wallace went six of ten. Arvidas went three of six. So where's the problem over here? We're pre-Zach Randolph. I'm assuming that we're pre-Randolph Blazers. Pre-Randolph. We're very much pre-Randolph. Pre-Randolph. We I'm got, trying, I'm, it's what? escaping me who else might be on that team right now. My um uh Miles, what was his name? Shit. His name escapes me. Can you tell me? We got a J.R. Ryder. Oh, nice. Who I, went five of 15, not I helping the cause. Ryder, yes. We got Brian Grant. Oh, yeah. Putting up a goose egg at the floor. Yeah, big number 44. Oh, of, yeah. <laughs> oh for six with zero points. Those are my numbers. Those That's are numbers not... that I can relate to. <laughs> then off the bench, we got the wizard, Walt Williams. Walt Williams, number 42, long and spindly, had like a wit, like went out of his way to <laughs> give himself like a wizard goatee. <laughs> yeah. You like With that nickname you had to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then just a real poo-poo platter off the bench. We had uh, Rick Brunson, Kelvin Cato, cool. Stacey Ogman passed his prime. Stacey Ogman, God Plastic bless man, you. Yeah. Oh, my God. One of seven from the field. Yes. Oh, of two, Carl. Carlos Rogers, O of two, Rick Brunson. I mean, the, I mean that's not a, with all due respect, all professionals, all fabulously talented, not an elite NBA roster, I would say. That bench is thin.
thin. Yes. Feels but really thin. This team is so much better. I mean, you think of like how many times the Michael Jordan played an expansion team. Yeah. Like why did the Bulls never blank the Hornets in nineteen eighty eight? Exactly. Like what was going on in nineteen ninety two when yeah. the best team maybe ever, yeah. the Jordan led Bulls played yeah. the Orlando Magic yes. for the first time ever. Yes. They didn't even double them. They didn't them double up. them up. It is so weird and funny. I guess part of it is like like you sort of articulated. It's like well, first of all, the parody in in the NBA, I feel like, is solid. Like maybe more so than other leagues. I feel like the, maybe pa- the so. parody is like exists <laughs> in a way because I feel like in college sports, for instance, the disparity is so large that I feel like teams are constantly getting double. That's up. right. You see, like Zion Williamson playing against McGill. Yeah, exactly. I'm like Zion outscores McGill like sixty to thirty, and which it's like, makes well, sense. Yeah, yeah. But like in the NBA, like everyone is super, super elite. It's like the point one percent of the point one percent. That's right. And it's like even like Davy Brunson, whoever yeah. that guy is, <laughs> Rick the bench. Brunson, yeah. is like inc- it's like closer in skill to Rick Smith or Reggie Miller than you or, you or I. For yeah, example. but you see, like an NFL team, they they'll sometimes just like by sheer luck, a team is having an off day and yeah. one team is having an amazing day, and they win fifty four to three. Like that's yeah. going to happen. I know. Why that's does true. that never in the history of basketball happen? But once in nineteen ninety eight of all, it years. is weird. The one <laughs> the one time anomalous occurrence is so bizarre. You're so right. Much yeah. weirder than it happening none or twice or thrice or all the time. <laughs> yeah. One time. One time. One time. Time? Especially because when you're down 50, isn't your propensity to give up yeah. more than to fight back to try to get this to within 38? Yes. So Billy this... and I have talked about this a lot, Billy, uh, co-host of the No Joke Podcast. That's we right. talk about how much we admire Bill Belichick. It's like, I don't know, like, fuck the Patriots, obviously, in general. <laughs> but, like, one of the things that I do <laughs> love about Belichick is that his propensity to keep the foot on yeah. the gas. He just likes embarrassing the other yeah, team. Yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it is, I guess it's just harder to do in the NBA. You're shooting so many shots. It's like mm-hmm. a Cold str- like a team going cold could really only happen. And I say this as a Nick fan and like understanding that John Stark shoots two for 18 in the crucial game sixes and sevens. But like a team, as a team, a player can go cold for like weeks at a time. But it's, I, I do feel like it's rare for an entire team to like all be shooting poorly all the same night for all four quarters. It just doesn't seem that likely. So in this game, uh, Indiana raced out to an early 33 to 14 lead. Jesus. Then uh, 26 to 15 in the second quarter, yes. 25 to 14. 14 in the third, not enough because in the fourth quarter, they really laid the smack down. That's a 40 to 16 fourth quarter. See, that's brutal. Yeah, that's what you need. When you're already blowing them out and then you have a huge blowout. Yeah. Again, I think it should be rare, but I would have guessed it happened once a year. It must feel pretty liberating, honestly, for the Blazers in that scenario. Just be like, you know what I mean? Like, there, it's there's just a one game. One game. Just, I wonder what happened the next game. Yeah. I should figure that out. Like, I, what? how did Portland rebound from that? Yes. I played uh, high school basketball and played, I should put in some serious scare quotes. I was on the roster, but like rode the bench most of all. Uh-huh. And we were deeply, deeply bad. And we would get blown <laughs> out. Like, there was... <laughs> We were getting blow like we would get doubled up right away. Like we would like the first quarter would end, it would be like twenty-four to four. And we'd be like, okay. <laughs> and it, it just psychologically, yes, it is a little embarrassing. Yes, it does weigh on you a little bit that you're getting crushed. But to me, as like a perpetual annual parade, I'm used to losing. And like there's liberty. There is freedom. There is an unshackling of responsibility when you're getting shellacked. That to me can be a little freeing. Like embrace the blowout. Like embrace it. So I would say to any NBA coaches out there, if you're like if your fate staring down the barrel of a 33-14 deficit at the end of the first quarter, yeah. give up. Give up and try. I mean, go and try to make the record books. Like You want to know something really poetic and sad? I yes. checked to see what the next game was, and Portland lost by one. Oh! <laughs> At, they travel to Boston brutal. and they lose the next game by one. It's brutal, man. That's but that's basketball. It's really brutal. Um, I know you listened to episode one. That was with Ben Schwartz, another Knicks fan. I loved. I loved I, it. It was a I, great episode. Is there anything that we missed in terms of Knicks fandom? I don't know if I want to harp on the past because I feel like we've been there. We know. We understand how much we love the '90s teams. Love the '90s. How teams much we hated the aughts teams. Great. How Carmelo, you know, was polarizing. Yes. Um, did you have anything to add to that? Because I wanted to talk more about today's basketball. Now great. that we're here, I know that Ben came down fairly diplomatically about Michael Jordan. Um, I was a remain to this day, but as a Nick fan growing up, I was a vir- virulent, all, borderline violent. <laughs> 
Michael Jordan hater in a way that was like almost what was my personality for many years was like as much as it was loving the 90s Knicks and loving Oakley and loving Starks and loving liking Ewing with all due respect but like loving Pat Riley and like loving Van Gundy and just like embracing the Knicks so hard it was equally what was almost as much of a powerful force was my animosity and my animus towards Michael Jordan who that, I perceived that drove, that drove you it did really it almost drove Michael Jordan how much I hated him drove me closer to the Knicks than anything the Knicks did you know what I mean it was like I love the Knicks defense I love the tenacity I love I mean like Ben namecheck Anthony Bonner who was a personal favorite yeah. I love Chris Childs I love Charlie Ward I loved the, the grit and the New York defense but more than that I hated Michael Jordan and wished for his demise and I wished for him to fail so I, the Wizards Jordan you love that love that yeah. I love it when he got stripped by Nick Anderson that first year back in 95 in the playoffs that like and like with when you're a Michael Jordan hater you have like like two there's like two moments in all of history that are worth that are like satisfying yes. and that pay off so that's and the Nick Anderson strip the Nick Anderson strip and Starks dunking on him and Horace Grant and that poster that I I know that Ben didn't have but I did have that poster on my wall <laughs> you better believe the poster did on have that poster uh, so flash forward to today yeah we're talking about um, it's off season now preseason's yeah. about to start yes and I wanted to throw out some player head-to-head matchups please, for you please. because I know you have some strong opinions about today's superstars um, yeah not only in a athletic sense but in a sociological sense personality sense and i wanted to get to those eventually um i wanted to start just let's throw us in the middle of it two players that are never compared to each other and i'll tell you why it's because they're teammates please (laughs) we're talking about clay thompson versus steph curry yes you've gone on record to say that clay thompson i feel like objectively (laughs) is a better basketball machine than (laughs) steph curry i stand by it i swear to it so Sell me on that because okay. I'm not sold. Clay because Thompson this... is a better basketball player than Steph Curry. Yes. So all of st- <laughs> all of the statistics and all of the stats and yeah. all of the numbers yeah. would prove uh, evidence to the contrary because okay. Steph has a higher scoring average, career and last yep. season and postseason. Yep. More rebounds, which yep. is sad. Like Steph out rebounds Clay. <laughs> That's right. More assists. Yeah. Maybe I think Clay's maybe career blocks is like a little bit higher, maybe, and steals they're about equal. Okay. Um. Here's my case for why Clay Thompson is better uh, as a basketball machine. It's a few. It's it has a few different prongs. The number one is defense. To yep. me, half the court. It's ha- it's half the court. It's, it's half, half the, game. the game. Clay Thompson to me is one of the elite two way players in the NBA. Yeah. Um, it has so much to do with his defense. He is checking and guarding the other team's best player first and foremost and constantly, almost the entire game. In the finals, he famously sh- shut down his relative, obviously, yeah. but Kyrie. He guards anyone from Kyrie to LeBron to Tristan Thompson. Yes. So he's like guarding one through five. He is the one checking James Harden the entire game, the entire series. Yes. He is the one checking Westbrook and then Paul George if need be. That's tiring exhausting <laughs> and like the sheer stamina for Clay. So like that is one of the reasons that I would excuse his lower rebounding average, his lower assist average. He also sees the ball a lot less than Steph Curry does. That's right. Okay. So defense to me, uh, and again, like I'm not, and maybe this is nineties Knicks bias talking, but to me defense is, and that's the way I personally like to play. It's just defense is the thing I enjoy the most and I revere the most. So you're saying that like the Steph down to Clay on offense is a little bit, but the Clay down to Steph on defense is a massive significant. Gap. Yeah. Steph, they actively <laughs> need to hide him on they hide <laughs> Steph Curry is such a defensive liability that in these postseason series they are hiding him on the other team schmuck just so he doesn't tie around <laughs> and he's a little sweet elf and you don't want to hurt him too bad you know what I mean so like and like he you know he has his defensive moments yeah. like I feel like Steph does like in last seasons in the postseason last year I feel like he did like click up his defense like a hair yeah but Clay is a robot yeah. And he, defensively, he is so good. And he's talked about it a lot. And he said that his defensive model was Kobe Bryant. And that one of the things he learned from Kobe was that he never bites on pump fakes. That's smart. Never. That's smart. He, it doesn't matter that you try to block a shot. No. Like, just stay underneath the guy's chin. He is so solid. <laughs> and I think it's one of the reasons that Clay and one of the crimes of the modern NBA is that he's never been elected to an all-defensive, all-NBA defensive team. It's, yeah. it's criminal. And all of the other <laughs> NBA players are like, it's fucked up. Like, Kyrie Irving is like, it's fucked up that Clay Thompson does not first-team all-defense. Because he's not flashy or showy. Like, he's not Patrick Beverly, like, emotive and in-your-face and, like, up-in-your-jaw. Yeah, unless it, you're chant- chanting first-team all-defense. It seems like he can't be first. Team he can't be first team all defense. But Clay is just such a preternaturally calm. Like that's one of the other things about like his personality. It's like a little weird of like robotic and cardboard, yep, and just like yep, vanilla. Yeah, that's just like a little whatever. But like part of that, I think, in a basketball sense, really helps him because he is so unflappable on defense. Is that he never bites on a pump fake? Never. He is it's so such a smart solid. idea. Because how often do you see someone? 
shoot a three and then the defender jumps up at the same time and block it. Never. That, that it never like happens. never happens. Yeah. <laughs> so Clay, just don't ever jump. He's amazing. Like I was watching, honestly, in preparation for this chat today, <laughs> last night I was watching just like Clay Thompson defensive compilation videos. Yeah. And he is just, I mean, like his, first of all, from a physical standpoint, also the other thing I would say that if you just like saw these two human specimens, Steph and Clay, yep. one is 6'3", 180. What's Steph? 6'3", <laughs> yeah. 175. Yeah. Like, a, 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 like a breezy little insect. Yeah. Clay Thompson is like 6'7", maybe like 210. He's just sturdier, bigger, stronger. There is something about the perfect height. Like you can't fake the perfect basketball height. And Clay Thompson <laughs> is physically speaking like the uh, kind of the ideal basketball mechanism. Yeah, like short guys are fun. Yes. Chris Paul is fun to watch. Super and Steph fun. Curry is fun. Super fun. But then at a certain point, it's like now it, I'm 6'8", and I'm LeBron, and I'm swatting Steph, and I'm looking over my shoulder like, what the fuck are you doing That's here, exactly man? right. Like, this is not and, – we're not playing around anymore. And I would say one of the reasons that Steph is frankly more famous – and he is more famous. Like yeah. he's clearly like the <laughs> like the face of the NBA, two-time MVP. Yep. Okay. Yeah. So like, which I have some big feelings about, but like Steph Curry is more famous. I think it is because he's littler and because it's more fun to watch his 40 foot rainbow shot arc and crazy. And yeah. he's got to like adapt his game because he's shorter. Has he done so masterfully? Obviously. Yeah. He's incre- like Steph Curry is a, is incredible. He's a savant. And he's a, truly he's a savant, <laughs> but like Clay Thompson to me is just more solid. Here's another argument I'll make. Okay. <laughs> That's just prong one. Yeah, that's prong. Defense. And to me, I could begin and end the conversation there. Defense. <laughs> Defense, period. Steph, Steve Kerr needs to hide Steph on the other team's worst player. Clay Thompson actively guards the other team's best player the whole game. Got it. That, for my money, is argument enough. Okay. <laughs> Offensively, let's go to offense because yeah. this is where Steph thrives. He's incredible. A great finisher around the rim yep. and one of the best shooters we've ever seen in basketball history. If not the best. Probably the best. Yeah. Clay, who's like percentage points behind <laughs> Steph, like a, a percentage of a percentage. A percentage of a percentage. In shooting form, Steph Curry, because he's 6'3", has really had to sort of adapt this shooting form, and the arc is really crazy enough. He shoots like a little kid. Like a little kid. He, he doesn't do like, a jump shot. Heaves he heaves it. it. Heaves it. Heaves it. Clay Thompson, and I was, again, reading about this last night, there are, like, the shoot these shooting coaches all over the country, they use Clay Thompson as, like, the, archi- as like the archetype, as, like, the mold That's right. of what the flawless, impeccable <laughs> jump shot form That's is. Right. Elbow is, like, perfectly positioned. Yep. The release is, like, absolutely flawless. The way Top he jumps. the jump. He, like, he, he jumps up straight, but just, like, sort of transforms. <laughs> and lands like inches in front of himself. It's every time it's perfect. His release is quicker. He requires way less dribbles than Steph Curry. That game where Clay scored 60 points, yep. he did it in 90 seconds of possession and something like literally like 11 dribbles. To score 60 points on 11 dribbles is bananas. Yeah, it's just it, catch and shoot. It's, he, it's crazy. Steph requ- just simply requires so much more time with yeah. the ball. He just requires more time to shake people loose, to do a nifty step back move, which he's sick at. Efficiency but, of energy. Way Clay Thompson to me is like twice as efficient energy wise yep. as Steph Curry because he's probably wasting it, like you said, on the defensive end. That's exactly right. So, th- so those two things. It's like offensively, yes, like you said, Steph is maybe like a little ahead of Clay, kind of. But to me, it's like what at what cost? Yeah. Like six seconds of every possession, frankly, yeah. is Steph dribbling around. <laughs> I can't stand watching James Harden dilly dally at the top of the key and just dribble, 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 dribble. Try to get his guy <laughs> off balance. Try to get his guy <laughs> off balance. Take up the entire twenty four second shot clock. The rest of the team standing around. Yeah. Steph isn't like that, but he's way closer to that than Clay is, which is just an efficient run off a pin down screen, catch it in the corner. That shot is up in a millisecond and it's swish. It's for sure going to be a swish. But 60 points on 11 dribbles is psychotically amazing. 60 po- on 90 seconds of physically touching the ball. 60 yeah. points in 90 seconds is sick. I mean, that is like sickening. Another thing where it's like, how has nobody scored? Like, how has no team doubled? How has nobody scored just like 150 points in a game? Yeah. If Clay's on fire, just... Give him the just ball. Just give him the ball. See if he can get 100. And dare I say he did that in, I want to say, three quarters. Yeah. I want to say like he 29 sat, minutes. That's that's perverted. That means somebody can do double that It's not in a okay. Game. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And here would be my third my third major prong for why Clay is objectively better than Steph Curry. Okay. Okay. So I would say that Clay's skill set, like we said, absolute genius catch and shooter. Yep. Uh, very disciplined on offense, doesn't turn the ball over a ton elite defensive player yep. is way more universally applicable and translatable to any other roster in the NBA. You could take Clay and put him on any team and he is enhancing that team, no doubt about it. Probably their best player, maybe their best score, definitely their best defender. Steph? Would you say Clay is malleable? Yes. Not unlike real Clay? <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> exactly. C L A Y Thompson. Yeah. Clay, like Clay, is malleable yes. and could fit into any number of offensive and defensive schemes. Perfect Steph, name. Steph perfect. Steph Curry is his own unique animal and needs the ball a lot of the time and needs an offense that is conducive to his skills. The Warriors have essentially built their team. I mean, you could argue this, I guess, now they have Durant. But the Warriors' offensive identity is based around Steph Curry and the team is like molded sort of in his image and he is the focal point. All the other pieces are sort of relative to Steph. If Steph gets traded to... So my point being that whatever team Steph is on, it's kind of got to be his offense a little bit. And like, it has to sort of revolve around him a little bit. It's like... And I, if I had to do like a showbiz analogy, uh-huh. like any movie Melissa McCarthy is in is like a Melissa McCarthy movie. <laughs> like she's not blending into an ensemble. It's a exact... Steph vehicle. It's He's a the vehicle. Engine. That's exactly right. Clay Thompson, to me, a little bit more of like a Laurie Metcalf, a little bit more of a Swiss Army knife. I disappear into my role over here. I can disappear into my role over here. I'm not going to draw too much attention to myself. And like, I can really fit into any ensemble. I can get 12 points a game or I can get 60. That's exactly right. Let me know what you need. Let me know what you need. I'll be in the corner. Correct. Guarding the best fucking player. Just like Laurie Metcalf did. And I'm not complaining. And I'm not pissed, and I'm taking a pay cut. That's right. Uh, This actually leads very well to a, a, a user submitted question that Great. Uh, we received over here at Buckets. If you want to submit a question, just give me a five-star reviews in the uh, Apple podcast store. It's Clever. pretty simple. Um, this guy, whose screen name seems to be his phone number, so I won't say it, <laughs> says, which player would yeah. you remove from the Warriors to make them no longer playing the guaranteed or, sorry, no longer the guaranteed champions? If you could remove one of their four, yeah, which this, one would cripple them the most? Yeah, I know this is like a little maybe obvious to say, but my knee-jerk response to that is Kevin Durant. I just feel like Durant still is like this this like marvel that really <laughs> does have like – I don't even know if we've seen him peak. Like Durant scares me. Like his <laughs> his talent is like a little frightening to me and that like I'm not quite sure he's peaked yet. This and is that, how good the Warriors are that we just spent 20 minutes talking about the best two shooters of all time. And then it's like which player is the best Durant! the Warriors? Oh, the Durant! third guy. <laughs> I in addition even, to that, they have the third best. And player. I would even say second would be Draymond to my answer to this. So it's like, the, it's it's ludicrous. But I would say what player would I remove to hobble them and like knock them out from elite status? No, Nothing would, but I would say Durant because Durant is like... He's literally their finals MVP. It's rude. It's yeah. so rude how good he is. And like when he decides to like turn it on. Yeah. And you can tell he's also like a bit of a, like, and you talked about this last time, thin-skinned. Kevin yep. Durant is like so emotional mm-hmm. and in a way that I feel like the Warriors forced like really do kind of break down hot and cold. Like Stephen Clay, I would say like Durant, like Draymond and Durant are hot headed. Yeah. And they are like they're hot blooded and they are emotional creatures. Yeah. Some might say Draymond is on the farthest end of the spectrum, but I would even submit Durant wow. is maybe more emotionally volatile than Draymond in some Interesting. ways. I feel like Draymond relishes the role of being like the bad boy, the instigator, <laughs> yep. the fight starter. Yeah. But Kevin Durant seems actually genuinely and deeply affected by criticism <laughs> in a way that Draymond performs it, but it seems like Durant privately is hurt and upset. Which makes me think that again, I, I say this a lot, but uh, it makes me think that Kevin Durant's going to join the Knicks because he's going to be giving oxygen to these deprivated Knicks fans who have been quietly sulking for the last 20 years looking for a superstar to give their, all their adoration to. I am that man. I it's am you that times desperate fan. 30 million. <laughs> I, and he wants it. He wants I want the attention. <laughs> I want that. I want him to have my attention. I want, I would love to, I would Ador, love for I want that. adore. <laughs> Let me adore you. I'm ready. Yes. Because like Ben said, like you and Ben said last time, it's like Carmelo was like, Mm. And I'm a Syracuse fan. I should say that. Like, I grew up a Syracuse fan, so, like, Carmelo brought us our one title. Yeah. So he's, like, forever immortalized in my basketball fan to mind. Got it. And still, I was bummed when he came to the Knicks. Oh, really? A little bit bummed. Just, like, a little, like, he's not, wasn't quite the superstar that I, that yeah. I, we wanted exactly, like, not quite. I would, as a Knicks fan, I would adore, adore to have Kevin Durant. <laughs> so I hope that you're right. You're mouth to God's ear. I hope that's true. All right, let's let's move on from the Warriors. Okay, great. Uh, we gave them a love, enough yes. love. We yes. have, By the way, we haven't even spoken about Boogie Cousins, who's also, by the way, their fifth all-star. Fifth. So in addition to all that, in addition to that, and maybe they the, also have the best. Second. And maybe the one with the most personality. Yeah. Now. <laughs> maybe he's now, he's truly the hot-headed one. It's too much. It's Warriors too much. Are crazy. Uh, let me move on to this, yes. this debate. Great. Kyrie Irving okay. versus Damian Lillard. Yeah. Forget better at basketball for now. Yeah. Who would you rather hang out with? Oh, that's a nice question. Damian Lillard seems really cool. He does those like four bar Fridays where he like ra- yeah, he's, raps. He's cool. He's, he's like pretty cool, clearly. Like <laughs> yeah. he like showed up in Portland with a truck and just sort of like handing out Nikes, right? That's right. Like Damian Lillard seems like a good dude. Yep. What do I know about Kyrie Irving? I know that he thinks the earth is flat. <laughs> <laughs> so, Uncle Drew. 
to be true. <laughs> so like I already question like some core, some like core elements of his judgment. Yep. Um, however, I also know that uh, he seems pretty chill. I think he and his family were just anointed or just like honored by like Lakota Native American tribe. Wow. For being like in like, I think he's descended of Native Americans. How did that happen? I, I wonder exactly how <laughs> that happened. Maybe they like 23 and meet his sort of family tree back to the Lakota tribe so, or something. So, uh, okay. So who are, who are you hanging out so with? So who do I want to hang out with? I think. It's like a rapper versus an actor. It's, it's like. A... It's Dame Dalla versus Uncle Drew. Yeah. Who do you fit in more? Honestly, my instinct is Damian Lillard. I just, something about him just seems a little cooler. I loved that moment at the end of a game against the Rockets last year where the Blazers were getting beat kind of badly and Chris Paul like fucked around like in the last few seconds, like did a layup. That's when right. he should have just ran the clock out and Dame was pissed. He walked over to him and tried to slap the ball. the ball out of his hand. And I was just like, Lillard doesn't care that that's Chris Paul. Like, I just like how authentic <laughs> Dame seems. He's definitely cooler. I just think he's way cooler. And Kyrie is, like, arguably a better player. Like you said, like, his handle is preternatural, like he's mm-hmm. an alien or something. <laughs> and, but I don't know, like, I secretly am afraid he's a loser. I think he might be a loser. <laughs> <laughs> I, like, I hate to say I think that's I... why I want to hang out with him. Yeah, yeah. I feel like I can get along with Kyrie Irving. Yeah, exactly. He seems like he's into comedies. Exactly. Because he started one he this started did you see Uncle Drew? I did not see Uncle Drew. I did not see I Uncle want, Drew no. either. I want to see Uncle Drew. <laughs> yeah, we should go. I think Dame is cooler. I think Kyrie cooler. is more our speed. I think I would get along with Kyrie more. Yes. I don't know if I could talk to Dame one Yeah. On one. I, I'm a little intimidated by that. Yeah. He just, like, it seems like Damian Lillard just happens to play basketball. Yeah. Like, and he could. He's cool. Yeah. And he's strong. Yeah, exactly. And he's pretty good looking and he's like yeah pretty hot and like he's like it just seems like he all like dame lillard is a lifestyle brand (laughs) but also part of that brand is basketball oh by the way is basketball who do you think is a better basketball player i think Kyrie. i think Kyrie just uh, is i think he is like i think Kyrie irving if anything weirdly is still underrated like i feel like he is like his offensive prowess is his handle is so freaky it's almost like he has a yo-yo ball yeah so it's like he's cheating it's like on a string it's freaky yeah and like normally i would say i mean dame has so many clutch threes but like here's the thing like all regular season like (laughs) dame lillard might be the clutchest regular season player of all time that's right like he is like 40 foot pull up threes time running down but it's always against the grizzlies in mid-november yeah or the lakers like the lakers had like a 10 point lead against him with three minutes left and he's just like now I'm going to shoot 35 yeah, exactly, and they float to the rim. It's like arenas; they just float to the rim. He's and they pretty swish. amazing. Yeah. He's really cool. And also, I should just say, zero is the coolest number you can have. Oh, so like that alone. Okay. I, I think to me, zero is like that's the best choice. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know why zero isn't. I mean, like to me, yeah, zero to me, but more than double zero. Like that's a weird single, thing. The zero versus double zero. To me, the single zero is the sleekest, sexiest, coolest uniform number, period. You know why he has that, right? Why? I don't. It's, he, in his mind, it stands for O. So he's from Oakland, oh, went to sweet. school in Ogden, and now he's playing in Oregon. See, that's really cool. The O-O-O. That's pretty awesome. That's the Like, I really o. like that. Kyrie Irving is what, 11? Used to be number two, now he's 11. Who cares? <laughs> Roman numeral two. Who cares? And Jason Tatum has a zero in the Celtics, and frankly, <laughs> he's better. And that's cool. Like, it's just, the zero is just cooler. How about this debate? All yes. right, let's bring us to the next one. Please. You mentioned Tatum. We're talking Jason Tatum versus Donovan Mitchell. Ooh. Yeah. Those are like, I mean, like essentially the future, that is like two of the main, what feels like, plus Embiid, like okay. three of the fu- like futures of the NBA. Who would you rather be on your favorite team? Who would you rather the Knicks? Let's say they had the number one pick last year. It's really uh, tough. Who would you rather than? It's taken? really, really tough because I had Tatum on my fantasy league last year and he was like the only bright spot of my fantasy <laughs> season. He was, I, he was so good last yeah, year. For a 19 to 20 year old. Yeah. Donovan Mitchell seems like inevitable. Like his stardom feels inevitable. Um, he won. Oh no, Ben Simmons won rookie of the year last right. year controversially. That's right. Yes, and I love that Mitchell sort of campaigned for it too. Remember, he was like throwing shade at Ben Simmons. Yeah. Like, is he really a rookie? Th- that's his campaign. It's like he's obviously better, but is he really? A is rookie? he really a rookie? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's weird that Ooh. the is, he's obviously better was implicit in every yes. argument Donovan Mitchell made. Yes, like, exactly. Can I win on a loophole? Can I actually win on a loophole though? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> uh, we all know he's better. Yeah, he's, he's better, obviously better. But like, I'm a true rookie. I'm a true rookie. Like, I'm a true freshman. Um, <laughs> I didn't work out with the team last year. At yeah, all. exactly. Uh, so okay. Jason Tatum v. Donovan Mitchell. I know this may be a little controversial. I'm going to go Tatum. Tatum, Um, I think Tatum, again, I like his length. I feel like intuitively I'm not exactly sure what the dimensions are. I feel like Tatum's a little bit leaner and taller than Mitchell. I feel like Mitchell feels like 6'5 or 6'6 to me, whereas Tatum feels like 6'7 or 6'8. Maybe I'm wrong. Yeah. I could be wrong. Uh, But Jason Tatum, again, Amir, I'm a big – I have a big defensive bias. I have a big, like, pro-defense bias. 
And uh, and I know that Tatum is a Duke product. All those Duke products are like super disciplined. Kyrie Irving style. Kyrie Irving style. And I just really love Tatum's defense. I think he's fearless. He dunked over LeBron and had the balls to shit talk about it. Yeah. And like, excuse you? <laughs> Ex- excuse you? <laughs> I'm offended. Yeah, like, <laughs> like that's rude. <laughs> and like, there was that video that like Tatum posted about, like he was, for, like, this is what's so crazy about guys like Jason Tatum. He was like probably 19 years old. Yep. I mean, they both are. Donovan yeah. Mitchell too is like, probably like 19. But like five years ago, Tatum was like looking up to LeBron, like going to LeBron's summer camp as like a 14 year old. follow me back. Yes. And now he's dunking on him. Mitchell is 21 and Tatum is now 20. It's 20. Uh, Mitchell has a cool number too, 45. 45 is cool. 45 45 is is really cool. Yeah. And Donovan Mitchell, to me, there's something about like he knows he's a star. Like he just knows it. Like it's so inevitable. It's a dunk contest thing. Yes. Jason Tatum is not going to be in the dunk contest. That's exactly right. And Donovan Mitchell is going to be and won the dunk contest. And he's going to win it. And he's like phenomenal and he's like really showy and he did that move like not even I love that this is like a quote unquote move but he like rebounded his own the put back dunk in his own shit like he's crazy and like he's showy and he's flashy he's Dwayne Um, Wadey He's Speaking Dwayne Wade, but in a similar way, like that is similar to the Steph Clay sort of dynamic, where it's like Steph is fr- is like flashier and like sexier yeah. and like funner, yeah. and so is Donovan Mitchell. <laughs> but to me, like both Clay and uh, Jason Tatum are just solid, just rock solid. You like the solid? You're like I do. A, a Spurs type, yeah, versus a Lakers type. I think so. I think so. And it's the '90s Knicks in me. It's like a defense for, to me. Like defense comes first. Who and maybe think- I'm very antiquated in that in that sort of POV. But like I don't know, like. I value defense very, very highly. Yeah, it makes you like a cool, intelligent sports fan. Yeah. Like, I don't need the guy who wins the dunk contest. Yeah. Give me the guy who can fucking help D. Who can D up that guy. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Who can prevent him from dunking in game. Yeah, you're posting gifts of like Jason Tatum helping backdoors. Like, this is what I'm concerned <laughs> Just about. Just taking a solid charge. Yeah. 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 <laughs> who do you think is funnier? Tatum or Donovan Mitchell? That's right. It seems like Donovan Mitchell is simply more out there. I don't really, I think yeah. from what little I know about their personalities via social media, it does seem like Donovan Mitchell is a little more of an extrovert. Yeah. And again, he seems like a ready-made superstar. He's packaged. Packaged. Like he's ready for, like he's ready for stardom. I feel like there's also something about Donovan Mitchell, whose father was not a pro basketball player, but I think was a pro football player, or That's at least was right. a pro athlete of some kind. Yeah. Clay Thompson and Steph Curry, both NBA dads. That's right. I feel like we're in this era now of like the ki- the kids these days yeah. all have like NBA dads or like yep. pro basketball dads. And now we're old enough to remember their their fathers. Their dads. Yeah, Gary Payton the second. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. Gary so, Trent Jr. Yeah. Yeah. So I feel like there's something about like these kids who grew up, even Kobe to a certain degree was the first one that was like my dad was his dad like Joe Jellybean Bryant like Kobe grew up on the court and like I just feel like there's a savviness and like a, a like a media savviness and a comfort like a comfort level with the media circus yeah. of it that just sort of baked into Steph and Clay and Donovan Mitchell that maybe someone like Tatum doesn't have I believe Donovan Mitchell was also as par- like part of the boys and girls club in the background of LeBron during the decision stop it yeah not I true think- <laughs> that's true he was in the background I think so what that is so crazy <laughs> that's really wild that's a solid get that's a really solid get alright here's two players much like Steph and Clay that yes. have never been never yes. been co- compared to each okay. other. So I'm really excited to great. throw these two people at you. Ready? Yes. Ben Simmons yes. versus Drew Holiday. Oh, great. <laughs> that's so that's, different. That's really good. Two different point guards. That's really good. Drew but that's Holiday, where their similarities stop. Yes. Drew Holiday was a absolute standard at UCLA. And please forgive me, I should know this, but he is on the Pelicans now? That's correct. Okay, right. Yeah. And he really came into, like, he really, like, he's always been sort of great and like Clay, sort of a low-key elite def- elite defender. <laughs> yeah, he lo- he stopped Lillard and McCollum in that first series he's last sick. playoff. He's crazy. Yeah. So, like, defense alone <laughs> yeah. is pretty unbelievable. It's hard. It's it's interesting. I never quite understand what makes a point guard a good defender or a bad defender. You, you hear stuff about how Lillard's a bad defender. Yeah. But he's super athletic. He's super strong. He's super fast. Yes. But Drew Holiday is an elite defender. Yeah. They, Why? If you just saw their outline I or know. their silhouette, they seem like the same human. What makes Drew Holiday better at it? it Why is... is Drew Holiday not dying in against a screen that's right. like Lillard is? Is it just effort? I think I think a lot of it, I, I mean, that's what like coaches would have you to believe. It's like defense is just anyone complete yeah. defense. It's just about effort. It's <laughs> yeah. just about sweat and just like effort. And I think to a certain degree that's true. But if I'm... Think if I'm like imagining their bodies correctly, <laughs> I feel like compared to Lillard, Holiday's like kind of ch- like he's 
cut. Am but I? So Drew, is Lillard. That's true. That's true. But I just feel like <laughs> Drew Holiday has a, is like six four, like in, like halfway in between one and a two, and it's just like has. I feel like his wingspan is really intimidating, and his yeah. reach is really good. It's a good question though. Yeah, like, why like, are certain point guards defensively elite and others aren't? That's right. Chris, Chris Paul's Paul. elite because he shamelessly <laughs> fouls. I'm like Chris Paul. It's just like a dir- <laughs> like also sometimes being a good defensive player means you're dirty. Like you play dirty. I'm like Chris Paul. I think is in that camp. Like yeah, I'm not sure he's like as good. John as Stockton. Di- dirty. Like you're a dirty, dirty, dirty. <laughs> Derek Harper for the Knicks was dirty. dirty. And we're just hand- like, why are you so good at defense? Because you're hand checking me every possession. <laughs> like, which became illegal. Which became illegal because of the Knicks. Yeah. Yeah, not even against the rules. Straight up illegal. Illegal. You got arrested. Illegal. Yeah. Illegal. Yeah, he's in jail now. <laughs> um, so, okay, so Drew Holiday is such a defensive presence, and he offensively sort of like came to the forefront last year. Like, oh, he can also score 25 a game and yep. carry an offensive need be. That's right. Ben Simmons, man. Ben Simmons is... Where does this guy come from? I don't understand what... Ha- like, yeah. What forged a six-foot, ten-inch, ambidextrous... Lefty. Yeah. ...point guard who can't shoot but still can dominate? Who, like, pr- like proudly can't shoot. Like, part of, like, the... Like, he weirdly took this negative and make it a positive. It's yes. like, it's awesome that he can't <laughs> shoot jump shots. Like, that, I'm impressed that he's yeah. still able to dominate a game yeah. even though he can't shoot an 18-footer. Which is, like, one of the first things you learn in basketball is shooting. I thought that was one of the main parts. That's what everyone likes to do first, and then you add the other stuff to your game? <laughs> yeah. No. But Ben Simmons is pretty outrageous. Like, I would say, uh, and he's, yeah, like six, like you said, what is he, 6'10"? Yes. He's wild. So, like, who do I think is better? I think Ben Simmons is better. I think, like, o- overall, I think his body type, again, he sort of can guard one through five. He can sort of play one through five. But Drew Holiday, yeah. So I would say I would give the slight nod to Ben Simmons. Also, it's just like he has an entire long career ahead of him. But Drew Holiday, I think, is one of the elite defenders. Who would you rather have like a a DM conversation with on Instagram? They reach out to you and they're a fan through. They they love corporate. They DM you. They're a fan. Oh, that's really nice of them. Um, (laughs) Who are you more excited if it is? That's a great question. I would say Ben Simmons, not to be like a fame whore, but like he's just like, he's just a little more, he's got a little more shine to him or something, doesn't he? I mean, like he's got the rookie of the year. Like that's, I could be like, yo, the NBA rookie of the year DMA on Instagram versus like Drew Holiday. No, not Drew, Drew. J-R-U-E. Play Drew or false over here. (laughs) Exactly. Um, Who would you, who do you take? I I feel like I should be parroting these questions back to you. Who do you take in the Ben Simmons versus Drew Holiday? Uh, I think it's an upside thing i think ben simmons is going to be better i think maybe last year drew holiday was better because he's this is this is the drew holiday this is the peak of drew holiday he can shut down dame lillard he can score 25 in a game he can beat the blazers quasi single-handedly in a playoff game he's the perfect running mate for anthony yes ben simmons is just a unicorn he's He's exciting franchise like what happens when he shoots threes yes like that is becomes kind of unguardable because he's already looks like lebron but he's 20 years old yes exactly he's already leading a fast break dunking from the free throw line like these players are evolving too fast the poise that's the other thing it's like these rookies have such poise now like like we said about donovan mitchell and like but ben simmons is just like like his poise was weird. It was weird. Yeah. Like how sort of calm and relaxed and unflappable he was. That's right. And because he was hand- like he was running that offense. Yes. Like on the funny oppositions where Embiid was like bringing the ball up himself. <laughs> like Ben, like that entire offense was going through Ben Simmons, who is a teenager human yes. being and is fully comfortable leading this offense in the playoffs. I don't like, like to wow. think about how old these people are. I, it's when depressing. I'm 19, I'm what? <laughs> yeah. Like hanging out, watching YouTube videos. Of, of NBA players. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's leading a playoff NBA. Team, it's an freaky. actual basketball team. Yeah, he's unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. yeah uh, has he played? This is just a has he played for the Australian? Because he's Australian, right? Yeah, he is. A, yeah, does he play for that Olympic team? He must. Uh, I don't like, know if he did because oh. it was like three years ago. But I think he's on. He's going to be in their program. Amazing. Yeah, amazing. That team is going to be sick. Yeah, I think they have like uh, they got them. They got uh, Simmons, Delavadova. Oh, Delavadova. Uh, Bogut, Bogut if he's still alive. Andrew Bogut if, yeah. he's, if he makes it there. Yeah. <laughs> Joe Ingles. Oh yeah, for the Jazz. Yeah. Shit, Australia's pretty good. Yeah, Australia. Let me. Uh, can team. we? Backtrack one second. What do you think about the Steph versus Clay thing? It's just like, wh- where do you stand on that? <laughs> uh, I can't not give the nod to the best shooter maybe ever. ever. Yeah. yeah like, so like that trumps everything. Just yeah, because that's fair. He can that's shoot, fair. He can make 12 threes in a game yeah. off the dribble from 38 feet. Yes. Like if you're talking about basketball is putting the ball in the basket. Yes. He can do it by himself. Clay needs true somebody to pass him off the curls. Definitely true. Good thing like, basketball's a team sport. Yeah. If I'm yeah. giving the ball to Clay with 12, like 15 seconds left and yeah. just like ISO, I don't know if Clay can take somebody off the dribble. No, I don't think he can. He's got two definitely. moves. As, as, as good as they are, they're the catch and shoot, and yep. then there's the pump fake and drive. That's it. 
and that's great. You're right. But like, if you only have two moves, and You're then right. you look at Steph, and he seems to have Infinite, every infinity. Move, it's it's weird what moves he has. Like, when did he practice that behind the back? That tripped up Chris Paul. How did he know how to do that? Why did I, what, like why did he practice that behind the back twice? Like, yeah, and then he never did it again. How? How? <laughs> that would, agreed. That would be something that tripped me up. Is the uh, if I was if I had good enough handles to let someone drop in front of me? Yes, I would never make the shot. Yeah, I know. But like people just, are really good at making that shot. I know. Like when the whole crowd is fucking going crazy based on the the ankle breaker. When James Harden did it to Wesley Johnson and, and like he stared, just stared him down, I was like, oh Jimmy, you better make this shot. Yeah, like and he did. The, he did. Oh, and he did. <laughs> Well, but, that was cruel. Yeah. That was There's a lot cruel. of pressure on that wide, wide, wide open shot when yes. somebody's gotten their ankle broken in front yes. of you. And it seems like more often than not, those shots go in. Are you pro or anti the theatricality of the stare down, of like the hardened stare down? Do you like that or does I that like turn that. you off? You I like, like that, of course. yeah. Of course. Yes. It's all theater. It's because all like you said, you love the reality show, show yes. aspect. Basketball, yes. the NBA is a t- is riveting television. Yes. Give me the heroes. Give me the heels. Yeah. Give, like, oh, what, good guys. I want bad guys. What's the alternative is making a shot in someone's face, which is cool, yeah. but at the same time, not as unique or exciting that's as a true. straight up I, I made you fall. That's true. And I stared at you. Yes. Like the entire crowd's about to rush the, the rush the court it's like it's an Instagram video yes. or something like that. I also love this is was really in the first episode not to recap your previous episode yeah. of this podcast but it also was a big sort of philosophical divide when you guys brought up the malice in the palace and now Ben was like oh that was terrible yes. that was really scary you were like that was awesome. <laughs> that was like... Has enough time passed where <laughs> even the commissioner would admit that was awesome. Okay that was neat. That was cool. <laughs> What'd you think of that? I mean I was a little shocked I was. It was definitely <laughs> shocking, but it was shocking to see. Just like to even see man, it to see players like excavate out into the crowd was like it was wrestling. It was wrestling, <laughs> and it was jarring, and it also just like drew into high contrast. Like, oh, basketball uniforms are silly. Like these grown <laughs> men wear shorts. Like to see Ron Artest up there with just like right plain clothed like citizens of Michigan, and just like men in jeans and polos. It's like, why do they wear silly shorts like that? It is kind of silly. Why are they shiny yeah. jerseys, tank tops that people are wearing yes. for seemingly no reason? And Artest was suspended for the rest of the season. That's right, that, seventy something games. And now he's the NBA's mental health ambassador. Yeah, he's a nice guy now. Yeah, back story. Yeah, (laughs) Uh, let's give. I keep giving you great players. Let's give you players that are considered overrated or otherwise disliked. Great. How would you compare? Who would you rather have Mm -hmm. starting center for Mm -hmm. the New York Knicks while Porzingis rehabs his ACL injury? Dwight Howard or Hassan Whiteside? Fuck Dwight Howard forever. I hate Dwight Howard so much. I would not want him not only never on my team. I don't want him in my in my. I don't even want him flirting with the idea of coming to the Knicks. I loathe Dwight Howard to the not quite to a Michael Jordan degree, but like I think he is lazy. I think not even lazy. I shouldn't even say that. My first beef with him is that he's deeply unfunny and that he thinks he's a funny. You can tell that Dwight Howard thinks he has charisma and thinks he's hilarious and is humiliatingly humil- I, his personality humiliates me I do remember, at first I was a magician then I went into the lakes I, 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 then I flew with the I cannot pelicans I cannot or stand I cannot stand <laughs> Dwight Howard also that like Stan Van Gundy insincere moment like that little like caught in the news conference uh, yeah. thing where he was like buddy buying with Stan Van Gundy clearly wanted to be traded Dwight Howard to me is everything that's wrong with public figures like he like he to me is a hollow husk of a pe- I, I loathe him do you know how good he is at rebounding? Isn't that he a probably averaged like twenty rebounds? I mean, like he—I think he led the league in rebounding last year. He that's... averaged twelve and a half rebounds a game. Still, <laughs> he's, he's still really, really good. At, he's an I elite know. rebounder. I his know. numbers are good. Why do people hate him so much? His personality. It's it just is. His personality. It is his personality. It's like he is a bad. You could tell that he's a bad. But he's like a bad seed. I'm like everything that you could just like, why does But he's not around? mean. He's not mean either. He's not like Jordan the asshole that I, I understand why you didn't like Jordan. He's worse than mean. He's lame. <laughs> like he's wor- like he's way lamer than like like he's so lame. Hassan Whiteside also seems like a bit of a head case to me. That's right. He's kind of like the prototypical next coming of age Dwight Howard where it's like, why do people not like this guy? Truly. And I wonder why I just default to Whiteside. I mean, some of here's the other thing I love about Whiteside. He, I feel like, because they probably do average about the same amount of blocks a game. Like they're both like just like block maniacs. Yep. But Hassan Whiteside's blocks, there's something special about He's them. He's got the palm rejection. He he does that. Yeah. Like I feel like he tries to make his blocks theatrical and fun in a way yeah. that I really appreciate and I really think are cool. Yeah, he either palms it and just like snatches the midair. Off the backboard. Off the, yeah, like it. 
I love his blocking <laughs> style. I just love his blocking. But he is also a person that clearly either turns effort on or off. Yeah. Like you can tell there is a distinct difference between Whiteside when he's trying and Whiteside when he's not trying. Which like big I, difference. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense to me because I'm not a professional athlete. But yeah. like if I also got paid $20 million, regardless yeah. of how I did my job, yes. after three years, I think I would do less of a good job. Less of a good job. Yeah. yeah. It's weird that players even like winning as much as they do because it's just a game. What, yes. At the end of every championship, the richest players on the court should celebrate together, regardless of the team. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then the poor players. Thank God, yes, we did it. Yeah. I want. I want LeBron James to be jumping up and down. I'm a billionaire. I'm a billionaire at the end. Of, at the end of the finals, <laughs> he gets to celebrate with Steph, and then JaVel McGee and we Tristan Thompson is we sad because they're not as rich. We have generational wealth. Our grandkids will never worry a day in their lives. Yeah. That's what's really important. But it's not what happens. What happens is they celebrate the joy of winning a game. The game is the happiest part of yeah. the, winning it, winning yeah. the game. It's so interesting to me. Do you relate more to like that? I I, th- I feel like I used to have a much more prominent competitive streak. Like when I was growing up, I like really used to like get mad and play pickup games. And like, it's still in that, like the embers of that, like yeah. flicker and me just barely. Yeah. But now I relate way more. It's like, I make fun of Dwight Howard and Hassan Whiteside, but like, honestly, like I get not, like I get not caring. And like to your point, like I get. I also don't want to just be, in- I just don't want to be injured. Yeah, exactly. Like at the end, I'd rather, I get I'd that. so much rather like lose and leave feeling like I had a good workout yes. than win and like tweak an ankle. Yes, exactly. I don't want to like, don't bruise my ribs in a, in a winning don't effort. Don't bruise my ribs in a Now I like effort. can't sleep or cough for I want a couple my ribs I want to win. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And like, so now when I hear stories of like crazy, psychotic Michael Jordan, so competitive, he knocked out Steve Kerr during practice. Larry Bird, so competitive, he walks into the three point shootout. I was like, who's playing for a second? And it's like, I think when I was a kid, I was like, fuck yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> like, that's the kind of attitude. And now it's like, oh, that seems hostile and aggro. I'm like, relax. <laughs> so I don't know. So, okay. And so in brief, I'm taking Whiteside, but only because Dwight Howard's personality as someone in comedy offends me so much. Yeah. And his attempts at being sort of funny, affable, and like, I yep. found so distasteful and desperate yeah. that I don't want him anywhere near me. <laughs> Nowhere near me. He's a cancer to you. Yeah, to- totally. Total I, don't, I don't mind Dwight Howard as much as most people, but right. that's that's just me. I'd, I think I'd rather at this point have Dwight Howard just because, I don't know, I still hold out hope even yeah. though it's not just because of he's such a freak physical specimen. Yes. Where if you're like, don't even worry about offense, just get me 13 boards a game. And he, and he, I think he can do that. And to your point, he does, like, he's like low key, like the NBA's leading rebounder for, yeah. And like nobody out. really thinks or talks yes. about that too much. And but he's on the Hawks now? He was just, I think he's he on the Hawks. He oh, went to oh. Washington. Washington, that's right. That's okay, right. cool. Yeah. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Why not? Whatever. Yeah. Um, I want to get to some questions that people submitted. Um, let's see if we can answer some of these uh, cues. Uh, Lengo Sin writes again. Leave a five-star comment. Yep. And uh, in the review, ask your question. Yep. I'll try to read them. Yep. Uh, one question I think about often. Yeah. If Kobe and Shaq never broke up, yeah. how many rings do they Yeah, seriously. With? How many do they get together? Three together. Oh, my God. And then Shaq goes to Miami and wins another one. And then Kobe wins one more without Shaq? Two more Two more. Shaq. But like Two years more. later, in 2009 and 10, with Boston Powell. and Orlando. He yep. beat Boston yep. and the Dwight Howard led. That's right. Magic. So they stay together. Let's just say we have to stay together. They at the very least win one more because of... You know, Shaq at, already proved it that he can win more. At the very least. Yeah. At the very least. I think. And like who won in, like who, so like. It wow. started to be like the Pistons Spurs. Oh, yeah. That era. They're, the Lakers are definitely winning those. <laughs> they're definitely winning those titles for sure. Although the Pistons beat them. They did. That was amazing. That was Shaq and Kobe and the Pistons destroyed the them. The hubris of them getting Carmelo and Gary Payton. Just like, oh, this will be good. Yeah. I just remember being like, I don't know. <laughs> Carl Malone and Gary Payton, like, now in the year 2000? I think what happened is that there's a world where they don't win any more championships because the game starts to change. The game starts to become more of a team game where two players just can't dominate anymore. Mm -hmm. You look at the Pistons, they beat Shaq and Kobe and Carl and uh, Gary Payton. Team defense. Team defense. Team defense. Destroyed them. Yeah. The next year, the Spurs or the Heat start winning lots of team basketball. The Spurs beat the Pistons. And I don't know if the Lakers with Shaq and Kobe have have the team in their DNA. Yeah. It's not a Tim Duncan, Ginobili, Parker situation where they want the ball to make energy on offense. Yeah. They want to dump the ball into Shaq, double team. Okay, yes, 
kick it out to Ori, kick it out to Kobe. It's interesting to to like examine Kobe's game now that he's because like he was. I mean, like maybe low key. I mean, like Jordan, LeBron, but like Kobe Bryant might be the greatest basketball player in NBA history. Yeah, when you're talking about just what looks like the greatest basketball. Yeah, player. Yeah, yeah, like and also like de- like to me like the thing about Kobe was defense. Kobe Bryant was like the best defensive <laughs> player of his era, and like low key high basketball IQ. Super high basketball IQ. And like, but yeah, you have a good point. It's like the game did kind of start to evolve, become a little more like, quote unquote, selfless yeah, or like yeah. a little more team ball yeah, movement. Yeah. You need the alpha dog, but you also need him to be able to pass yeah. if necessary. Yeah. But I mean, I do think that they're winning at least one more ring for God's sake. I mean, Kobe was in his prime, prime, prime when Shaq left, right? That's I right. mean, he was in like his his youth. Like, yeah. Just prime. if Kobe can win with Powell, Kobe could win with Definitely. semi-prime Shaq. Who d- do you, as a Laker fan, do you wish they had stay together longer i mean like maybe that's an obvious yes or like uh i think when it happened i was sort of done with the drama it just felt like a a breath of fresh air to have okay now this is kobe's team and now let's for a few years let's see if he can score 50 points a game for 12 games in a row that's kind of fun we're not really good at team basketball but at the very least basketball yeah Yeah. (laughs) i'm enjoying seeing prime kobe peak asshole score as much as i want mode yes and then he's like wait i don't think we're gonna win if i score 65 or 81 or 60 after three yes. I think I'm gonna have to let's get me one more player who's yes. pretty good yes. and we can start playing team basketball and who did they, they then get oh Pow it was Pow that Powell. was sort of like the other big piece to that puzzle that's right yeah and if he can move with Pow he can move with Shaq my yeah. god yeah. so who do you who do you sort of for lack of a better word fault for the Shaq Kobe schism like, oh it's you, just two players who were way egos. way way yeah egos Crazy way too egos. good and that doesn't really happen nowadays because players aren't assholes really yes uh, if it was gonna happen it would have happened like Chris Paul and James and Harden, Harden or something. yeah but yeah. even they got along and even we talk about Clay and Steph it's like they are boringly nice they're yes. like boringly cool with each other Clay Thompson I think is about to take like an 80 million dollar pay cut and I don't think it phases him <laughs> at all care? I don't think he cares well okay see that's the other thing I just want to bring that back to being a second generational NBA player too. Yeah. When you grew up wealthy, like their dads are basketball stars. That's so right. like whatever. Like Alan, like take someone <laughs> like Allen Iverson. Allen Iverson who was not about to pass to anyone. It's like I just <laughs> Who's he I, passing to? Because if like even if he wanted to pass. Exactly right. Like Tyrone Hill. You <laughs> Eric know what I mean? No. No, Eric Snow. Exactly. Nobody. <laughs> Eric Geiger. So like <laughs> Matt the, Geiger, yeah. nobody. Matt, Matt Geiger. Matt Geiger. <laughs> so but the point being like I just think that there's like, I don't know, like Allen Iverson grew up rough. Like grew up gang violence, Virginia. Like basketball's the way out. Yep. Like he play and he plays like it. Yeah. Like he plays so ferociously. I'm gonna get mine. Yeah. I'm gonna score 50. I step <laughs> over you, Teron Loot. Like <laughs> I made it on the strength of my own will, like my pure will. Shaq to a certain degree too. His dad was a military man, but like Shaq, like willed himself to the NBA, like willed himself to be seven one three fifty, like did it. <laughs> Kobe, like Kobe also was like maybe the most anomalous freak because he did grow up son of a basketball player, but somehow had more drive and was like, Kobe played with a rage, like a true rage, seemingly, that like Iverson had and like those, like some of those, and Jordan to a degree had. Steph and Clay, you can just tell that like, they grew they it uh, basketball it's fun they don't need they don't need to be in the nba they don't need it like iverson needed it and kobe like needs it and Shaq to a certain degree too but like steph and clay it's just like oh yeah like i do what my dad did yeah and steph retired tomorrow he'll be like this is great i can play golf seriously yeah it seems totally kind of fine but yeah it seems very very fine but yeah how many more rings does kobe and Shaq win if they stay together i would say at least i'll one. set the over under at one and a half yeah i'm going to say i'm going to say over i'll say two more rings yeah i think they take two more because Shaq was you got to understand like by 2005 it's starting to be a little bit of a fat Shaq situation he's a fat it's Shaq. not prime 1996 Shaq. that's right because like it's 13th year in the league for a big guy yeah that's hard yeah but i mean kobe is like i don't know like i would be hard pressed to ever doubt kobe bryant's will like his will is on par of like i mean he has that like jordan psychotically competitive yes. thing he doesn't like anything else he doesn't like anything else he it doesn't, doesn't even have seem friends. like he likes winning no he doesn't <laughs> like it's not, he just hates losing he hates losing yeah more than he likes winning yeah yeah he winning doesn't is have good. friends but he has an academy award yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's pretty impressive i'll get an oscar now and he did yeah uh actually we got a question that Great. said do you think ai is underrated as a player and how big of an influence, if at all, do you think AI was for the generation after him? I, I have a hugely personal bias. Alan Iverson was my favorite, not just basketball player and not just athlete, but maybe person. Wow. When I was an adolescent, yeah. I would like, oh, I would go to card shows with my dad and only buy Alan Iverson cards. <laughs> I had all of his jerseys. You're basically as tall as AI. Are you I, taller basically, than AI? Basically. 
He was like, he's like, yeah, he's like six, six nothing. even. Yeah. Even. Yeah. And like, that's like maybe being generous. Yeah. I remember the first time I like took note of him was he was at Georgetown and he was a freshman and he led the team to the NCAA tournament and he was just like, he was swimming in his jersey. A swimming. Yeah. Dude. Like the jersey didn't come small enough. Swimming. The Baggy other, everything. And he was so electric and so electrifying. Um, so I would say underrated. I do think so. Actually, I do think he was underrated. Um, just as a player, I think that there was never a player that small, that good. Yeah. Like, kind of. I mean, Steph is bigger, frankly. Yeah. It's like, you think Steph is so small. He's six, three, one ninety. Allen Iverson was pushing six feet, <laughs> six feet on a generous day. And seeing him cross over, it's like little cat arms coming out of a garbage bag. And I mean, you just see like cat- exactly. <laughs> the, 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 the appendages didn't even get past his get past- jerseys. Exactly. And he would dunk on you. Yes, he would dunk he on would you. He would dunk on you. And he was six feet and he would drive to the hole so fearlessly. <laughs> so do I think that he had an influence on the generation that came afterwards? Absolutely. Who's the closest I- thing right now to AI? Isaiah Thomas? Isaiah Thomas... Fearless, Isaiah short, Thomas is fearless. Like, uh, I would say Kyrie. I mean, Kyrie, the way that he finishes around the rim is very Iverson-esque to me. And like, I mean, I know that Tim Hardaway sort of like made the crossover cool. Iverson really took it to another level. Like he really like extended his little cat arm out of that garbage bag yep. really far <laughs> to like cross it over to his other cat arm. Yeah. But like, so I would say like the he really like crossed like made the crossover really sexy. Oh, yeah. And, like, that's something... That, I mean, James the Harden... Jordan. James Harden is only... He's just a crossover. Yeah, why do you hate James Harden you love AI? It seems like James Harden is the natural evolution of AI. Defense. James just, Harden plays no <laughs> defense. And Iverson? Uh, I think Iverson was... I mean, look, he was... No matter who he was guarding, he was outsized. Yeah. Like, no matter... He, he was smaller than anyone, but he yeah. was, like, frequently the league leader in steals. That's right. Frequently. He did steal a lot. Like, more than average. Yeah. So, like, yeah, like, he... <laughs> Iverson was full of piss and vinegar, and I just thought he was so cool. And even as a Syracuse fan, he played for rival Georgetown, and I yeah. think I was like, wow, like... I don't know. There was something about Iverson. So I do think he's underrated. Of course, I'm extremely biased, and I think he's definitely influenced the generation that came after. And I think that the crossover may be his legacy. Also, the dress code, if you recall. He single-handedly right. was the responsible cornrows. for the dress code. That's right. Like he Wasn't he the first cornrows? Wasn't he, like, the first do-rag? Wasn't he the first everything? All of that. Like, crazy, like, baggy, like, whatever jeans. Like, he dressed, like, quote-unquote, too urban. Right. And that's when David Stern was like, okay, if you're injured or, like, if you're sitting at a game, you have to wear a suit. <laughs> and it was all because of Iverson. All because of Alan Iverson. So, like, I think Iverson's had weirdly like an effect not just on the style of play, but just on like NBA culture. Like Iverson has, I feel like, left him an imprint. We were talking about Kobe, how he just looks like the best basketball yes. player. Like six foot six. Yes. This is the perfect height. Flawless. He is the perfect jump shot. He is the perfect finisher. Mm-hmm. He mm-hmm. is the perfect prototypical mm-hmm. basketball player. On the other end of that is James Harden, who's sort of a little shorter, a little chubbier, like a, a little bearded. Yeah. Like, how is he the best player? How, how is, is he, he the best? The unanimous MVP. Yeah. This guy is like how he doesn't look athletic but Not he's like taking into the rim and dunking over people too and i also want to say that i've never heard him speak i don't think i know what his speaking voice sounds like he is like weird. Yeah, he's not really an assassin he's more of just like a, yeah. a really crafty scorer crafty that's yeah. i would say like first and foremost and above all things he's insanely crafty, crafty. he can and, get fouled which is a little boring but very good if he's on your team and he's the one and i know like chris paul does this a lot too but like i do kind of fault james harden and maybe i'm wrong about this you probably know better than i do but for like that trend now that is going to have to be addressed by like the, the rules committee or something of like that weird oh, sweep through, through rip draw through. the foul three point nonsense. Yeah. And they did address it. It's no longer like a shooting foul, but he's just getting smarter about it. Him and Lou Will, and they were on the same team. Yeah. It's just like, if you're ever reaching, I'm going to pretend that I was about to shoot. I don't so like, like that. If your hand is ever, he's sort of like beating the game, cheating Gaming the system. Gaming the system, like, I don't like Kind of like, like jabroni basketball. Yeah. Like, you have to call a foul, but like, you weren't shooting then. Like, like, don't, you're lying to like yourself. Cheat code. Yeah. yeah. Like, but the way he, he rips his hands up so that if a defender's ever gotten his arm on him, yes. he gets a foul. So the defender stops guarding him like that. And now he can blow by you. It's or exactly now he can right. shoot over you. It's like a weird cheat. I'm like, good for him for like cracking that weird, ha- like, hack my life code. Yeah. Like, you did it, I guess. It's, but like, it sucks for us as fans. That sucks. And like, I also, and I know you and I have talked about this just in private, but like, the thing that I don't like about James Harden is that his offense, like Steph, and again, to a larger degree, requires the entirety of the shot clock. Yep. And like it is. It's ISO. It's ISO ball. And like, I don't know, like the game has changed. Like, 
pass the ball, James. <laughs> just like, God almighty. Like, he gets the ball at 22 on the shot clock, and that shot is going up at four, and all he's done is just, like, cross over his man and just, like, get him off balance. It's great. He scores 40 a game. He wins MVP. He's got a lethal jump shot and yep. can, like, teeter-totter his defender enough where he can, like, blow by him and dunk. But it's it's stultifying. And, like, I actually think it. What it's, like, I don't know, in some degrees – and, like, last year in the playoffs, this was very obvious. And, like, the Rockets are, when they get stressed out or when they get, like, high-pressure situation, they always default to that ISO James Harden ball yep. to their detriment. Yeah. To their detriment. That's right. And so I think that is as offensively potent and, like, as wizard-like as he is, how good he is at offense is sometimes, I think, maybe bad for his team. Right. Let's, it's a little bad for them. Let's end with this. Do you think the Rockets or, I guess, any team in the West can take Warriors down? No. They were so close. I know, I know, and make Carmelo is there, but like, so is Boogie Cousins now, and it's like, just and I'm enough. not just pandering to you by saying this. I would love for it to be the Lakers. Wow, I would love for the Lakers <laughs> to like, f- exp- like fully explode, like LeBron to level them up like two levels. Wow, and I could see that happening. I mean, yeah, like, yeah, they're definitely the biggest wild cards because yeah. it's five new players. It's all these youngsters getting older. Like the Lakers are the team that we don't know the most yeah, about. They're a big X factor. You look at Utah, you know what they are yeah. because they were that last year. Yes. They're going to be a little bit better. OKC, we saw it yes. with Melo, now without Melo. Yes. We know what Houston is. Yeah. We know the Warriors because they are the Warriors. Yes. And then the Lakers are just this X factor. It's like, Total what's going to happen? LeBron James. LeBron James is on that team now. But you were going through the odds last week with Ben, and I feel like the Warriors are like comically favored. To comically. Like, like, like you won't <laughs> even get even money. If you bet $100, you get 50 back. It's like that obviously supposed to happen. So you, Amir, uh, what is your prediction in terms of it? So do you think that the Warriors win again this year and Durant bounces? I think is that the, what you think happens? Yes, I yes. think the Warriors win. Durant, who that sort is. of sucked himself onto this championship yes. team, got three championships out of it. <laughs> Uh, right away. And that's, yeah, and that's, yeah. that's good. <laughs> that, he has three, really no one's going to say that he didn't win three championships nope. except for Clyde Frazier maybe. That's but right. he did, he won it. He, yes. for whatever reason, yes. you think he is a three-time NBA yes. champion. Yes. Now let's see if I can do the LeBron thing, which right. is take a fan base that's struggling, eager to adore a new hero. Which, oh, by the way, happens to be the biggest media market in the world. And shower me with adoration. That's right. That way I got the championships. That's right. I get the money. That's right. My YouTube channel is going to get the views. Truly. The, the Twitter comments are going to go from snake to cape exactly. or hero or superhero. Exactly. He is just going to return his image now, which is probably a bigger yes. goal of his yes. than winning a fourth championship versus yes. a third. Yes. Is what I think. As a Nick fan, I hope you're right. I am ready to snake to cape you, Kevin Durant. I want to lionize you as my own personal hero as I a want, Nick fan. I want to Please. talk. The, I want to talk. <laughs> to someone about this like after you win your third championship do you care Care? less do you care still like why do you care like Houston was so desperate last year yes and like Golden State it's like we've won this is our fourth if we make it great if we don't Fine. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, we've won. And, so that's, like, and that's what's so freaky about the Kobe's and the Jordans of the world because you do feel like Jordan could have just kept winning title and he did. Just like kept winning titles, kept winning titles, and his competitive fire was somehow never dulled. No. And the, that same thing with Kobe. <laughs> it's like you just got the sense that it was like you'll like n- – all the winning is not enough winning for you. No, yeah. Like, it's, it's like oxygen. Yeah, it's like, yeah. do you ever get bored of oxygen? No, that's how much I hate That's things. exactly right. Yeah. That's exactly right. I can't wait to see what happens. Oh, yeah, me neither. This is fun. This is oh, over an hour of just talking great, about basketball. This is an hour? It goes by Jesus, so fast. It flies by. Basketball's the best. I agree. This is the, <laughs> truly the best. Thanks, thanks for, for coming on the show. Me. Oh, dude, thanks for having me. This is there anything the you want to promote, plug, talk about? You have a you have your own podcast. Right here on HeadGum, the Billy Skiffery and I host the No Joke Podcast. New episodes every Friday. We're at No Joke Pod on Twitter. Please follow us. The hell yeah, dude. Hell yeah. Corporate's coming back. Oh, corporate is going to come back. Yeah, season two is going to air. I think January of whatever this next year is. Yep. So 2019, I think yeah, it is. 2019. Yeah, as think the world is. burns, I think as the world burns, TV hopefully show. TV will still exist by then. <laughs> yeah. Um, thank you for having me on, Amir. This is I, I'm one podcast in. I'm a, one episode. I'm a huge fan. Uh, thank you. Huge so much. fan. And thanks to you guys for listening. Yes. And we'll be back. I don't know soon. Cool. We'll see. That was a headgum podcast.